So again, my name is Father Luke. I am all the way from Kansas City. We're cheering hard for the Chiefs today. And it's a great honor and joy to be with you at this Mass. My understanding is that when Father David preaches, it usually it's about 40 minutes to an hour. So I'll do the best I can to top that, but no guarantees. We may get out a little bit early today. So in the gospel that we just heard, this is one of my favorite gospel passages, and it is so rich with imagery and with meaning. And there's a lot that Jesus wants to unpack and to present for us. So there are a couple of things that the Lord has kind of put on my heart to share with you today. And so I hope it resonates. If it doesn't, talk to him. So this scene, we find Jesus presenting himself at a wedding. And it is at a wedding that he comes that he chooses to work his first miracle, kind of beginning to reveal his glory, that he is God. And I think it's very curious for us to ask, every time God works, he works in an intentional, deliberate manner. And so it's not by accident, it's not by you know, sheer happenstance that God showed up at a wedding and decided to work his first miracle there. There actually is a marital theme throughout all of salvation history. Pretty much every time God speaks of his relationship with his creation, he speaks of it using the word marriage. Why? Well, because there is no greater relationship that more perfectly elucidates a sacrificially committed love between two individuals that is ordered to unity and to life. And so, of course, this is the relationship that our God wants with each of us that he invites each of us into is a marriage, a relationship of unselfish, committed love for life that is ordered to unity and to giving life. And so it should not surprise any of us that it is at a wedding that God chooses to begin to reveal his glory. But I think it's worth asking the question and for us just to kind of say, well, why was it this wedding? If you've ever been to the region of Galilee, even 2,000 years ago, you would know that in addition to Cana, you know, there's Capernaum, there's Nazareth, there's Magdala, there's, there's lots and lots of towns in the region of Galilee. Why was it at Cana that Jesus chose to work his first miracle? And the answer is actually very simple. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, St. John tells us, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. Brothers and sisters, how many things do we have going on in our lives, in our relationships, in our job? How how much stuff do we carry in our heart that perhaps we have yet to invite Jesus into it? Jesus showed up at the wedding and he worked his first miracle because he was invited. Do we invite Jesus into our stuff? Do we acknowledge that we are friends with a God who, as we heard about in the first reading, delights in his children? He doesn't find us burdensome. He doesn't find us annoying. He delights in his children. As a young man rejoices in his bride, so does our God rejoice in us. Friends, he wants to be invited into our stuff. Do we let him? Do we invite him? He is a God who respects freedom because he is a God of love and love always respects the freedom of its beloved. And so Jesus is an absolute gentleman. He wants to live his life in us. He wants to live his life through us. He will never go where he is not first invited. 
And so the first word that I think the Holy Spirit desires to speak to us today is, hey, invite Jesus into your stuff, into your relationships, your family, your life, your career, the messiness of your world, the wounds that you carry. Have you invited God there? Because when he is invited, he shows up and he does incredible deeds, miraculous deeds. Invite Jesus. Now, sometimes we invite Jesus into our mess and sometimes we're brave enough to acknowledge like, man, I really feel like I am at my wits end and I am about running out of wine. Anybody ever feel like that? Maybe, maybe in your marriage, maybe in relationship with your kids, maybe other relationships, maybe your career, maybe with stuff going on in the church or in our culture today. All of us, that resonates with all of us. And maybe it's a little bit different for each of us, but all of us have those places in our lives where we feel like, man, I am running out of wine. And so what do we do in those moments? We want to invite him. But after we invite him, at least if you're like this knucklehead of a priest, a lot of times when we invite Jesus, we're like, Jesus, you're welcome to be here. Please come into this. And then we kind of like maybe even unconsciously push him aside into the co-pilot seat. You're welcome to be here. You just can't be in charge. (laughs) Answer wrong, right? So step number two, we want to invite Jesus. But after we invite Jesus, we want to trust him. We want to trust him and to live in the humble confidence that he is God. We are not. He is the God who delights in his friends. He is the God who desires to pour himself out into our lives. He is the God who has come. You ready for it? Not to make a mess in the lives of his friends, but to produce fine wine in their hearts. And so in those moments of adversity, tension, woundedness, weakness present in our lives, whatever that looks and feels like, I really invite you to consider what is my disposition? Do I see Jesus kind of as this mindless two-year-old who just has a lot of fun going out making messes of other people's lives? Or do I see Jesus as a master wine maker who has come to produce fine wine in the hearts of his friends? especially in those seasons of pruning, of pressuring, especially in those times in our lives, do we invite him and do we choose to live not in fear, but in humble confidence that he is a God who is good, who is trustworthy, and who even when we can't see it, is at work in the hearts of his friends, producing fine wine. And so we want to invite him. We want to trust him after we invite him, to give him that permission to take up residence and to be in control. And then finally, we want to take a page out of Mary's playbook. Did you hear her spoken words in the gospel today? They're actually the last words that she speaks in all of the gospels here at the wedding at Cana. What did she say? She turned to the servers and she said, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. He tells you. Mary is the model disciple. She's the perfect Christian. She's the greatest example for all of us as to what it is to love Jesus and to follow him. Do whatever he tells you. And so I invite you to consider, under whose authority do you live? Whose voice is the one that is actually dictating what we're doing with our time, with our money, with our stuff, with our lives, with our hearts? Who is actually in charge of our lives? 
Because I think if we're going to be honest, and I'll start first and foremost with myself this morning, if we're going to be honest and vulnerable and brave and humble, we probably need to own the fact that we are doing whatever we tell us, not whatever he tells us. Or maybe we're doing whatever the president tells us or some other voice of authority or some other voice in pop culture or what, really whatever the mass is, whatever the other, whatever everybody else is doing, that's what we want to do. The Blessed Mother did not say to do that. She said, do whatever he tells you. Do I recognize the authority of Jesus's voice? Or do I treat him as just one other opinion in the sea of opinions about how I should live my life? Do I acknowledge that this man is God who has come to free and to heal and to produce the finest of all wines in the world in which we live? And that wine is so precious and it is so beautiful, it will renew and heal and strengthen and raise up saints in this age. And so how do we get that wine? We invite Jesus into our stuff. We choose to trust him always to surrender control of our lives and our hearts to him. And then we choose to follow him. Not what the culture says, not what popular thinking would say, not what any other person, including us, would say. We choose to listen to him and to follow him. Because, brothers and sisters, he is the bridegroom. Did you catch it in the gospel that we just heard? Who was responsible for bringing wine to a wedding 2,000 years ago? It wasn't the bride's family. Who's responsible for the wine at the wedding? The bridegroom. And so Jesus shows up at a wedding. We've constantly heard throughout salvation history that God desires to marry his people. Jesus shows up at a wedding to reveal his glory. He takes the place of a bridegroom and he produces fine choice wine for his friends. That same bridegroom is about to make himself present again at this altar. And he is again going to enter into a marriage with each of us, giving us all of himself and inviting us to do the same. And at this mass, he is going to produce the finest, choicest of all wines, which is his blood. And in this, we find healing. We find life. If we are, if we are willing to invite him, to trust him, and to follow him. And so we pray for the grace at this Mass to do those three things well, so that he again can accomplish what he first accomplished in Cana. Lord Jesus, you did this 2,000 years ago in the hearts of your friends and at the wedding at Cana. We give you permission again this day to do it in us.